Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. This morning, we're continuing a series, as I've said, devoted to taking a look at some great spiritual teachings from the book Spiritual Economics by Eric Butterworth. And today, I want to take us on a journey of looking at the ideas of what do you do when things go upside down? What do you do when things go upside down? <clears throat> we are certainly living in a time, we hear it again and again and again, that is unprecedented. So much is uncertain. And whether it is our, our livelihood, our lifestyle, our physical well-being, so much seems uncertain. And a lot has become turned upside down. And so much of what we must hold onto at all times, and especially at times like these, is the power of our thinking, the power of our words, of our consciousness, that we can deal with anything if we start from the inside out. When we look at the realm of economics and we look at it spiritually, we see it differently than when we just look at it factually. So much of economics really, if you think about it, is influenced by psychology is influenced by the way we are thinking and the way that we are feeling and what we are saying to one another. Eric writes frequently in the book Spiritual Economics that economics is really a reflection of where we the people are in our consciousness, what we are thinking about, what we are holding, whether we are, are living from a place of fear and the feeling of scarcity or whether we are choosing to lift our vision higher, to look from the high point of view, and to always know that no matter what is going on around us, there is a potential for, for good, for growth, for healing, for wholeness, for abundance. Eric mentions in the book that on the front page of a, a copy of the Wall Street Journal many, many years ago, the early 1900s, as a, as a matter of fact, when the country was also going through a very difficult time economically, the headline read, positive thinking is the way out of our economic malaise. Positive thinking, the way out. You know, we as students of truth, we as, as metaphysicians, as unity students, as students of the science of mind and heart, we've got to play a really strong and decisive role right now. We were born for these times. Our teachings, when practiced, position us in a way to deal with everything that is going on right now. As a student of truth, we have to choose to be a thought leader in every conversation. Let me say that again. As students of truth, we have to choose to be a thought leader in all conversations. We need to let the words that we speak position the conversation on the side of the prosperity possibility on the side of the prosperity possibility. The words that we speak, we've got to position them in that way. 
Pay attention to what you are thinking. Pay attention to the way that you are looking at the circumstances that you find yourselves in. Notice what they are, but never, ever, ever give your power over to the circumstances. Circumstances change. And the quickest way for them to change is by what we do inside, by the thoughts that we are holding, the feelings that we are practicing, and what we choose to do as a result of that. Many years ago, two salesmen were sent into uncharted territory. They were shoe salesmen. And they were sent into an area that was quite underdeveloped in one of the countries of Africa. And one of the salesmen wrote back to his boss stateside, prospects look dim, no one here wears shoes. The other salesman wrote back, prospects here look amazing, no one wears shoes. Which salesperson would you have been? Would you have looked at that situation as well as hopeless? Nobody wears shoes here, yet you're a salesman. Find a need and fill it, right? Or would you have been like the second one who saw that as an amazing opportunity? One of the things that I value about unity and about metaphysics is I think it goes way beyond just positive thinking. Positive thinking is a start. But our teaching goes way beyond that. For you see, we're not denying, ever denying, the reality of the circumstances that we find ourselves in individually or collectively. To deny the reality of the circumstances we find ourselves in is foolish at best and dangerous many times. So it's not that we deny the reality of the circumstances we are in, but we affirm that they are not permanent. That just as they came, they can go as well. And we can usher them right out by the way we choose to be in those circumstances. When you find yourself in a conversation with family members or friends or colleagues, or even in a chat on Facebook or your social media platform, what kind of, what do you add to the conversation? Do you bring the conversation down, talking about all the things that are going wrong and that are frightening and scary? Or do you lift it up and say, but wait a minute, no matter what is happening, there is no place where God is not. There is no place where the power and the potential and the creativity is absent. You and I, as students of truth, as metaphysicians, as unity students, as practitioners, this is a time that we have to practice. This is not the time to, to pull away. It's the time to practice. The starting point in reversing any financial adversity or any adversity, whether it is hitting us financially or hitting us in our health or in our family dynamics, the starting point in reversing anything that is negative, it starts within. It starts with the realization that we can change our lives. You can change your life. Right now, you can change your life. I can change my life. But you have to do your work, and I have to do my work. And it begins by a willingness to admit that we are not innocent bystanders in any of this, that we are forever contributing to the circumstances in which we find ourselves. 
And we can change the contribution that we are making. We need many times to change the contribution that we are making. Consciousness creates circumstances. If it doesn't outright create the circumstances, it at least sets the climate in which circumstances arise. And so again, we acknowledge what is so, what is present. Right now, you may be struggling to figure out how you're going to make ends meet. You may be struggling because you don't have a job right now. You may be struggling because you're worried about your health. We don't deny what is present in our lives, but we cannot stay and let our thinking stay at the level of what is showing up. We must lift our attention, our thinking, our voice, our energy, our prayers above and beyond that to that which is possible. To be on the side, as I said earlier, of the prosperity principle, on the side of the health and wholeness principle, on the side of the peace principle. Every setback, remember, every setback is an opportunity to pick up the pieces and move forward. Nothing is ever a complete loss. Take that in for a moment. Nothing is ever a complete loss. For everything that has lost, something else has been gained. We may have to look long and hard to find it at times. It may really be buried beneath a lot of stuff. But the fact that we may have to look a little bit harder or a little bit longer or dig a little bit deeper never changes the truth that there is good that can arise from everything. Right where you are, no matter what is going on, greater good can be called forth. But you have to invite it. I have to invite it. I have to speak it into existence. You have to speak it into existence. I have to see it into existence. You have to see it into existence. We have to feel our way into the existence of it. In spiritual economics, Eric writes very, in a very helpful way about how to deal with unemployment. And I know that's a reality for a lot of people right now. Maybe you'll take some comfort and some strength and some hope in these words that he writes. One of the most challenging reverses that we ever have to deal with is unemployment. The important thing is it is not being unemployed or even being employed that makes the difference in our lives, but how we accept these conditions, the attitudes, the feelings, the general tone of our consciousness as we face the experience. There are some employed people who live in constant fear of being laid off. And there are people out of work who have complete confidence that it is a transition that will lead inevitably to betterment. The person who has a job and is constantly afraid he will be dismissed is already blocking his flow. And remember, again and again, we have been encouraging ourselves to remember to step into the creative flow, to not stand apart from it, but to know that we can put ourselves right in the midst of it. We can open up our minds, we can open up our hearts, and we can begin to invite in divine ideas, divine possibilities. Do you really think that God is finished with you right now? He's not. She's not. It's not. 
You and I are ever unfolding and evolving and growing. You have not yet had your very best idea. You may have had many great ideas, some of which you acted upon and maybe some of which you didn't. But the greatest idea you ever had, there's still more for you to experience. And that is true of every single one of us, regardless of our age or the circumstances we find ourselves in right now. I know you've heard this before. If you're unemployed, your very first, your very first job is to keep yourself strong and to realize that you do have a job. And the job is to look for your work, is to be open to what new prospect, what new opportunity is calling you forward. Don't see yourself as unemployed. See yourself as ready for work. I am ready for work. I am ready for my next right thing. Bring it on, spirit. I am ready for a big idea. And I am ready to take the bold step forward toward it. I remember well a congregant who years ago put these teachings to an ultimate test when she was out of work. We'll call her Sally. She was out of work and her, her, her training, her previous livelihood was working in the field of construction litigation. And she wanted desperately to get back into construction litigation. And she knew the power of manifesting practices and not just writing affirmations and not just visualizing, but really putting her full self into the experience of drawing to herself that perfect right job. And what she would do is every morning she would get dressed as if she was going to work and she would get in her truck and she would drive downtown to where the, the big law firms that handled construction litigation cases um, were. And she'd drive down during morning rush hour traffic and all the way down, dressed as if she had a job, she'd be saying to herself things like, this is what it feels like to be in the rush hour traffic, driving to my perfect job in construction litigation. She would actually stop at the Starbucks near one of the largest construction law firms and, and get herself her Starbucks coffee and got to know the baristas there because by gosh, she knew that that was going to be the Starbucks that she'd be stopping at every morning on the, her way into work at that, at that big um, construction litigation firm. She would go into the high-rise parking garage of the company, and she would get her parking ticket validated, going up to the law firm, getting the ticket validated, talking to the person that would validate her ticket, go back downstairs, and as she would leave, now mind you, she's not working there, but she's putting herself in every aspect of that as if it had already happened. And as she would leave, she would identify the grocery store that she knew she would be stopping at on her way home from work, the dry cleaners that she would be going to. She made it so real. It was her full-time job, manifesting that perfect job. And I don't remember exactly how long it took, but in not too much time, she landed a perfect job for that very construction, for that very law firm doing construction litigation on a $26 million lawsuit. These principles and practices do work. 
When we work them from the inside out, which is the only way we can work them, when we work them, things begin to change because, because we begin to change. And when we change, we change the dynamics of everything around us over time. If you are without work right now, or your hours have been cut, or your pay has been cut, it is important to do everything you can to keep your self-image high during these times, to feed yourself with uplifting, healing thoughts, to hold in mind some of the great things you have accomplished in your life, some of the great contributions you have made in the work you have done before, to hold in your mind that which is possible, to not hold yourself to the biggest mistake you've made, but to hold yourself up to the greatest success you have had. What is true is if you are sitting here praying for a right job, there is some employer somewhere praying for you, maybe not using the word prayer, but longing for you in the same way that you are longing for that opportunity. These are the ways that we handle and how we reverse things when they seem to have gone upside down for us. The circumstances may be upside down, but we cannot let ourselves get upside down. We need to keep ourselves upright. We need to, to practice being resilient and bounce back, knowing that there is a power and a presence within us stronger than anything we are dealing with right now. Can you believe that about yourself? I hope you can, and if you waver, I hope you know that there are people like myself, prayer partners, those who believe that about you and for you. In a way, it's not even personal because we know that it is about the God presence within you. The personal part is whether you choose to shut yourself away from it and down, or you choose to open yourself to it and say, I remember that I am a child of God. I remember that, is, that there is power and potential in me that is yet untapped. And I will sit in prayer, I will sit in meditation, and I will open myself to receiving divine inspiration. I will open myself to receiving my next right step, whether it's a phone call to make or a resume to send out or, or a, a lead to follow up on. I will get myself dressed as if I were going to that perfect right job. I will put my whole self in, like the song, The Hokey Pokey, right? Not just put your, your left arm in, your right arm in, but you put your whole self in to feel it from the inside out. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever has caused it to feel like your whole world is upside down, can you, instead of looking at it as a problem, can you say, gosh, this is a project. This is a project. I may not have wanted to pick this project at this time in my life, but here it is. I'm not going to refer to it as a problem and take the weight of that word onto myself. I'm going to reframe it and call it a project. A project that's been given to me by life, that's going to help me discover strengths and talents and passions and creativity within me that I didn't know I had or maybe I haven't used for quite a while. In the chapters that we've been exploring in this lesson, 
Eric also writes a bit about the idea of security. And he says, you know, so many people have this idea that security is about getting everything right out here, about having everything taken care of out here, every need met out here. And he says, and if you really, let me read his words. If we think of security in terms of protection and continuous provision of food, clothing, shelter, heat, light, medical care, then the most secure individual in the world is a life-term convict in a penitentiary. And I don't think any one of us would want to trade places, no matter where we are right now, with those sets of circumstances. And what he's really trying to remind us of is our security can't be in something external to ourselves. It doesn't mean that we don't plan. It doesn't mean that we don't save for retirement or when traveling, make sure that we've got a spare tire and things like that. It doesn't mean we don't do those things, but it means that we do them from the awareness that ultimately our security comes first and foremost from within us. You see, the need for, or the desire for security, when you ask people what do they want most of all, it's often things like, well, I want to feel peaceful and I want to feel secure. And that's a basic human drive. But it also competes with a divine drive in us, which is a drive to grow and the drive to evolve. Security is not going to be found in things external to ourselves. It's not an amount of money in the bank. We're not secure because of what we have. Security can only come in one way, and it comes when we recognize who and what we really are, that we are children of the infinite, that we are endowed with wondrous powers and capabilities, that we must never surrender consciousness to circumstances. We don't ignore the circumstances. We don't put our head in the sand, but we do not surrender consciousness to those circumstances. We know that there is something better, something more <clears throat> in the midst of the problem because we know the power in the midst of us. In closing, let me read a few more words from Eric. He writes, it's important that you clearly understand this. You can't get a prosperity consciousness from the stock market. You can't achieve true security through insurance. And you won't get rich simply by saving your money. But if you work diligently to establish yourself in the consciousness of the divine flow of substance, actually get the feeling that you live in the boundless sea of affluence, then by the steadying and supportive influence of this consciousness, your assets may surely grow through investment, your affairs may be cared for by insurance, and your wisely planned savings may become a vehicle for prosperity. But remember, the rich mentality will not come because of your financial involvements. It must come first out of your steady effort to know God as your supply. Seek first to get the awareness of the allness of substance. Out of that awareness, you will feel secure. Namaste. Namaste.